Radio MD. RadioMD.com. Hear it from the doctor with expert guests from the American Academy of Pediatrics. It's Healthy Children. Now, our favorite mom, Melanie Cole, MS. Welcome to Healthy Children, where all of our guests are provided by the American Academy of Pediatrics. I'm Melanie Cole, and we're talking today with Dr. Joanna Parga-Balinki. She's an attending neonatologist in the Division of Neonatology at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and she's here to help us understand jaundice. Doctor, I'm so glad to have you join us today. We've heard this term, and we've heard that it makes yellow babies, but people don't really understand what it is. Can you start by telling us what jaundice is? Hi, Melanie. It's so nice to be on with you today. Thanks for having me. Um, I would love to talk about jaundice because it's something I see quite often and it's actually really common in newborn babies. So if you can believe it, over half of babies and some people say 80% of newborns will have jaundice at some point, right? So because of that, it's something that we screen all babies for after they're born. And what jaundice is, is it's the breakdown of red blood cells, essentially, and the breakdown of hemoglobin. And when that breaks down, it can cause, as you said, this kind of yellow color to both the skin and eyes of a baby. And usually you get rid of jaundice by having it go through the liver. So you need a mature liver. So babies don't have a mature liver. That's one of the reasons they get jaundice. And then you poop or pee it out. So that's how you get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. So... Since babies don't have this mature liver, so their bodies aren't really processing, they're not, you know, processing all of their waste and toxins and stuff like that. How soon after birth is this something that parents would notice? You screen for it, but then do can parents take their babies home and then they notice it? Yeah, that's a great question. So it's something we screen for, and it's recommended that all babies get a check for jaundice within the first 24 hours of life. As I said, it's pretty common, right? So a lot of babies have jaundice, and it's it's rare that jaundice is going to cause a baby any issues. But what we're worried about is the jaundice levels are going to get super high. And if that happens, and we, we track something in the baby's blood called bilirubin. So if these bilirubin levels get really high, it can cause injury to the brain, something called kernicterus, which is not something a term parents need to memorize, but that's what we're worried about with jaundice. So we try to check it within the first 24 hours of a baby's life. And for some babies, it can peak at three, day three to five. So it's something that actually probably needs to be checked for the first week of your baby's life after delivery if they're term. And premature babies are actually at risk for having higher levels of jaundice. So if your baby's born less than 38 weeks and particularly less than 35 weeks, that can make their jaundice checks have to go on for a little bit longer time, maybe into the second week. Well, then what happens if a parent notices that, that color? I mean, we're all looking for that when we're new parents. And I remember that, you know, keeping a watch on the baby. But then what do you do for that baby? Then is this an emergent thing where we rush our baby to the emergency room? Do we call our pediatrician? What if some parents start to notice this? Well, I love what you said about calling your pediatrician. I think talking to your pediatrician is really important, right? Because again, a lot of babies are going to have jaundice. So most of the time, it's not an emergency at all. And you can kind of tell during sometimes during pregnancy that your baby might be at risk for jaundice. So one way we try to screen for jaundice is to look at the birth parent's blood type and determine if they have something called antibodies or these proteins that might 
attack baby blood cells and break them down and cause you to have higher levels of jaundice. So we kind of can know during pregnancy what the blood type is of the birth parent and sometimes even the blood type of the baby to see if the baby's at risk. The other thing is, remember I mentioned if a baby's born premature, we might be a little more focused on jaundice and needing to really look for it. And then there are other familial reasons or other reasons in families that babies might have jaundice. A big one is called glucose 6-phosphate dehydrogenase deficiency or G6PD deficiency. So that can cause you to have jaundice if you know that runs in your family. Um, And we look at other risk factors too, such as if the baby has bruising at the time of delivery, because remember a bruise is kind of broken down blood cells. If it's a bigger baby or what we call a macrosomic baby, that baby might have higher jaundice levels. So there's some things that we we can we know will cause the baby to have jaundice and so we might be looking in those babies a little more closely the other thing that we really do to try to prevent jaundice is make sure that baby's feeding well because if you remember earlier on i said pooping and peeing right that's the way you get rid of jaundice so making sure the baby is having good milk intake and it's important to know that if you're a breastfeeding parent um, or a lactating individual that newborn babies receive very small amounts of breast milk in the first few days of life as the mom's milk supply comes in and mom's milk supply will come in in about day three to five right so you can see kind of a correlation here also to jaundice levels, which might peak at day three to five. So really being on top of breastfeeding, making sure you're getting good breastfeeding support. And if you're formula feeding, making sure you're feeding at least eight times a day, breastfeeding, we say eight to 12 times a day. These are things that might help prevent jaundice. And so again, it's not something to, I think, be worried about. Always call your pediatrician and talk to them if you see that your baby is jaundiced. And your baby should be screened for jaundice in the first 24 hours. And then if there are risk factors that they might have high levels of jaundice, then that might mean more checks, especially in that first week. I'm so glad that you mentioned some of those predictors of whether or not your baby's at risk for this. And also the feeding, I was going to ask you if there was a difference between breastfeeding and formula feeding as far as that goes. Now, if we call our pediatrician or, you know, some nervous parents might run off to the doctor, to the emergency room, whatever, then what do you do? How long does the baby get admitted to the hospital for this? How long is it something, you know, where they're put in the NICU? I mean, you're a neonatologist and we're talking about this. So parents' minds, you know, when our babies are small, they go in all these different directions. What happens? So, Melanie, I think it might be helpful for me to talk about the monitoring or the screening. So let me do that and kind of set the stage for what you might expect in terms of monitoring for jaundice after delivery. So the first thing is, remember, we said we'll check a level within 24 hours of the baby being born, see what that level is. And the way we check jaundice levels, some places will actually have a sensor that they put on the skin that looks at yellow light reflection from the skin. And we know that babies who have a little bit darker skin, that can affect the results of that. But we can use that as an estimate for the bilirubin levels or the jaundice levels. If we're worried about that level checking in the skin or if you're at a place or a hospital that doesn't have that where you've delivered, then we'll actually check the blood to see what the bilirubin levels are. And I will say, and I want to mention this, that we're actually really bad at looking with our eyes and knowing what the jaundice levels are going to be in a baby. So while that might prompt a pediatrician to be like, oh, we should check these levels because your baby looks yellow, it doesn't correlate to what the level will be and whether it's going to be a level that needs treatment or any intervention, which I can talk about treatment in a second. 
But we'll look for jaundice. We'll check that jaundice level. We either do it through the skin or through the blood. And that'll determine when we might want to check another level. And, and what I always say to parents and what I try to do with my patients that are in the hospital is we have curves that we use that kind of graph jaundice levels or bilirubin levels over time and tell us about whether or not we need to treat. And so I always tell parents, like, ask to see those curves if you have questions about jaundice, because you can see where your baby plots in relation to that curve, which is then going to determine what your pediatrician is going to do in terms of following it up or in terms of treatment for jaundice. So I think it's really helpful, especially if you're a visual person. And I know people listening to this podcast are probably audio learners, but (laughs) if you're a visual person, I think seeing those curves is really helpful and can put into context what it means if your baby needs treatment. And then when you leave, say you give birth at the hospital, when you leave the hospital, you know, again, Again, you're gonna your doctors there are gonna want to make sure that you have good outpatient follow up for checking jaundice levels again. And and if your baby's jaundice after the first two weeks of their life, they'll probably want to check again the levels. And remember what you said and what we were just talking about that feeding correlates with jaundice, right? And that babies who are breastfed have higher levels of jaundice. And so we think that breastfed babies, at least in the first few days of their life, that those higher levels are from what I was talking about, them getting smaller volumes of milk. And we call that jaundice in the first few days of life of a breastfed baby as suboptimal intake jaundice, or again, hyperbilirubinemia. But then if it's later on, they can still have something called breast milk jaundice. And for some reason that we don't quite know, and again, we think it might be related to the liver or something of that nature or how the baby digests, Babies who are breastfed can have jaundice for a longer period of time. But generally, again, it's not dangerous to them. Well, I'm so glad we're having this discussion because, I mean, you hear that term and it can be quite scary. So then just speak a little bit about what parents can expect. Yeah. So again, I want I don't want parents to be scared of jaundice. I certainly want them to know that there's, again, that prenatal screening that can be done to say if their baby's more at risk. And there are other risk factors like we were talking about, gestational age, um, actually having another baby that has had jaundice puts your other baby at higher risk for jaundice and things like G6PD deficiency that we talked about. So you could kind of know your risk earlier on. But what I also want parents to know is before the level gets to that scary high level that it might affect the brain. We actually have really great treatments for jaundice that can help bring down the levels safely. And the specific treatment that I want to talk about is phototherapy. And what phototherapy is, is this blue light that we put babies under. Most parents have probably heard of or seen phototherapy. It sort of looks like the baby's in a disco. It's like a, a blue light. And, you know, they have we have to protect the baby's eyes under it. So when babies are under the lights, they're wearing these little eye protectors um, to protect their eyes from the wavelength of the light. And what really helps with phototherapy is the color of the light, which I said, the intensity of the light, and how much skin of the baby is exposed. So a lot of times the babies are pretty exposed under the light therapy because they absorb the light therapy. And again, it helps them pee out that jaundice um, and drive those bilirubin levels down. And I want parents to remember high bilirubin levels are what we're screening for and driving it down, which phototherapy does, is how we treat it. Wow. Excellent definition. You're a really great educator. So then, doctor, what is the prognosis after that? What happens? You're talking about the phototherapy and you don't want parents to worry. And I love that you're pointing that out. So why don't you tell us what they can expect after the fact? Is this something that comes back? Is this something that they have to then watch for for the next 
couple of months or is it then pretty much gone? You know, it's something that we really worry about in the first few weeks, those first two weeks of life. And we expect that it's not going to be a problem after that. If a baby still has jaundice after the first two weeks, that may mean that the pediatrician might want to do more workup to try to figure out why that is. But we all we know all newborns at the very beginning of their lives are at risk for this jaundice. Sometimes you won't need treatment, right? They might just monitor the levels for you for a few days or within that first week and say, we don't think this is even high. This bilirubin level is even high enough to treat. And so something. sometimes it's just something that gets monitored. Again, sometimes you'll need that phototherapy. And that phototherapy usually is done in the hospital. So I wanted to mention that for families. So if a pediatrician is worried, they check a level in their office. They might send you to an emergency room or to be directly admitted to a hospital to get that phototherapy. Again, side effects are pretty low. Um, there are some places and for certain babies who are lower risk, so babies who are over 38 weeks, who are more than two days of life, who are feeding really well and who look really well. There's even home phototherapy blankets that you can get in some practices. So sometimes you can even treat this at home. Um, and again, there's going to be a focus on how you're feeding, making sure the baby's doing really well with that. And feeding includes, you know, breastfeeding and the use of supplemental feeds, whether that be donor milk or formula. So just making sure baby is well hydrated and pooping and peeing well. And then after, say you needed phototherapy, after that, you're probably still going to need to get a few levels checked and make sure they stay low. But we expect this to be self-limited and to be something that we can treat and deal with in the first two weeks of life. Now, there are times where phototherapy doesn't work. I don't know if you want me to mention that because it's a little bit scarier. Again, pretty rare. And there are times where you might need something called an exchange transfusion or a special type of blood transfusion to drive down bilirubin levels. I'm a neonatologist. I work in the NICU. So if there's some, if we're that worried about baby, you'd, you'd probably be with me in the NICU getting that, making sure the baby is well hydrated and helping to treat the jaundice. But again, that's pretty rare. Mostly babies, some babies are just going to be monitored and mostly if they're going to need treatment, they're going to get phototherapy and they're going to, it's going to be something you're not going to have to worry about after the first two weeks of life. Wow. That was so informative. Doctor, you gave us so much great information to really help parents to understand this condition and to make it quite a bit less scary than we used to hear about years ago. And certainly, I mean, I'm an old lady now, my kids are getting grown, but back when they were little and newborns and, you know, it was a scary thought, but you've just really demystified it for us. And so I thank you so much for all of that great information. Parents, share this show with your friends and your family on your social channels, because we are learning from the experts at the American Academy of Pediatrics together. You know that you can get your quality information from the gold standard that is the American Academy of Pediatrics. They are the ones that help us raise our children healthy and safe and happy. And boy, I love my pediatrician. My kids are just about, just about done. But I do absolutely love them. So remember, that's where you go for your best information. But you can hear all of these quality shows at Spotify and iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Podcast. We want you to listen at RadioMD.com. For the American Academy of Pediatrics, Healthy Children, and Radio MD, I'm Melanie Cole. Stay well.